0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download the free Living Truth app. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapters 18 and 19 called, I Know My Redeemer Lives. Now this idea of a redeemer
1: is all throughout the Bible. Um, The idea of a kinsman redeemer comes from the book of Ruth, but it also comes from earlier passages in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And there was a uh, requirement for a kinsman redeemer to step in when there was trouble, to step in when someone had to sell a field to pay off a debt, or even when someone was accused of a crime, or even if a family member was murdered, it was up to the kinsman redeemer, the closest relative, to redeem that situation or even redeem those persons. In the book of Ruth, we have that idea when Boaz becomes the kinsman redeemer. And many of you have studied the, the small little powerful book of Ruth. When we see Ruth and Naomi and what happens as they're in a terrible time in great need and God paints the picture of his redeeming work in our lives to be redeemed means literally to be purchased back to be bought with a price you were redeemed not with silver and gold from your aimless conduct inherited from your forefathers but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was the price for your redemption it was his own blood his own life And Job has been kind of mining the depths of this idea of an advocate in heaven, a witness, someone that could help him in his trial. His friends were no help. His wife was no help. His community was making fun of him. And we are in Job 18 as we see Bildad, the Shuhite, once again respond to Job. This is Bildad's second speech or second sermon, if you like. Just recall that Bildad the Shuhite was the shortest man in the Bible. That's how you can remember him. He was Bildad the Shuhite. Okay, anyway. And he says these words to Job. He's responding to Job, and Job's been asking big questions about his hope and uh, how he can be redeemed. Uh, Notice he says... uh, 14 of chapter 17, if I call to the pit, you are my father, to the worm, my mother, and my sister. Where now is my hope? Who regards my hope? Will it go down with me to Sheol? Shall we together go down into the dust? He's been asking questions about God, about the grave, about the afterlife. Some he gets right, many he gets wrong. But his big, biggest question in all of this is what is going on in my life? Why is God doing this to me? He doesn't know that Satan is the cause. He just believes that God has become his enemy and he doesn't know why. And he knows that he hasn't done anything overtly wrong. He has not transgressed against the Lord. So he's even wondering if this calamity came upon me for something I did wrong, what in the world did I do wrong? That could have caused all of this. Well, his friends believe that he's a dirty, rotten sinner and he needs to repent. And they're tired of hearing him. They're tired of hearing him try to make excuses, uh, tired of hearing him whine. And so Bildad says, how long will you hunt for words, Job 18.2? Show understanding and then we can talk. Now Bildad believes that Job is playing word games. He's saying, wise men don't talk the way you talk. They control their emotions. They, they uh, apply the ancient wisdom. What are you talking about, Job? Are we? Why are we regarded as beasts? If you have an ESV, NIV, it says, you, why are we regarded as cattle? Earlier, Job suggested rudely in their point of view that he might as well ask advice from cattle than ask advice from them. In fact, in Job 17.10, if you take a peek, Job says, I do not find a wise man among you. It would be better that I talk to a cow than I talk to you. What would a cow tell me if I spoke to a cow? Well, something like this, eat more chicken. That's probably what a cow would say, but anyway. He says, Oh, you who tear yourself in your anger, it's your fault, Job. You tear yourself, notice. For your sake, is the earth to be abandoned or the rock to be moved from its place? Bildad thinks that Job is both arrogant and bordering on insanity. He says, Look, are we going to change the system, the things that we know? The rocks speak of that which is immovable, that which is predictable, that which is steady. Are we to move everything because now you have a different worldview? See, they can't break with their system. Job must have sinned terribly to deserve this calamity. And Job's saying, no, I didn't. And that's what they don't agree with. So they have to say something like this. Does God have to move the mountains for you? Does the rock need to be moved from its place just for you, Job? I guess you're the exception to the rule. One writer says the earth and the rock are pictures of stability, the stability of the world. But Job is rocking their system. Some people have religious systems and they have built their whole lives on what they can predict. But God is not always predictable, have you noticed? He doesn't always do things according to my plans, right? Because God is God. He says, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways because God's purposes are beyond what I can often see. Do you think you're the exception? Are you the special one, Job? And here's the truth, brothers and sisters. Yes, we are special. We are loved. And God would not only move heaven and earth to save you. He actually decided to take your place. See, as the book of Job unfolds, we are getting more and more to the gospel, to the greater Job, the most innocent sufferer of all, who took our place. Would God move heaven and earth to save us? Yes, he would. And so now, Bildad is going to break into something that he is He's gonna go into a kind of a diatribe about the wicked. Some writers have called this, this is the highway to hell or the road to hell. And you're gonna find that what Bildad says is probably a pretty right-on sermon about judgment, the judgment of the wicked. Uh, Nothing here you could say is false about the, the path and destiny of the wicked. Here's the problem with Bildad's sermon. It is misapplied, because this is not Job. Job is not a wicked man. He is a follower of God. And so even though there's truth in the sermon, it's misapplied. So you can think of this as if you're taking headings now, the road to hell or the highway to hell, and here's what Bildad says. He says, indeed, the light of the wicked goes out and the flame of his fire gives no light. In Verses five and six, Bildad will quote two Proverbs. Proverbs 13:9 is close to this and it says, "The light of the righteous shines brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is snuffed out." Proverbs 13:9. The Bible says that you were formerly darkness, but now you, brothers and sisters, are light in the Lord. Walk as what? Children of light. It talks about the fruit of the light, and the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what Job was doing. In fact, Eliphaz said of Job, "Behold, you've admonished many, you've strengthened weak hands, your words have helped the tottering to stand, and you have strengthened feeble knees. Job was a good man. He was a godly man, he was a righteous man. But now Bildad is implying that he's a wicked man. And that's why the light in his life is being snuffed out. That's why all of this is happening to him. Uh, Darkness and light are metaphors for good and evil, blessing and cursing. He says the light in his tent, he's speaking of the wicked now, is Bildad, is darkened and his lamp goes out above him. The second proverb speaks of a sheikh's lamp. This is the lamp inside his tent for the lighting of his abode. His most private abode is now darkened. He must make his bed in darkness, that's Job 17, three, or 13, the very light above his head is extinguished. See, the wicked cannot say, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? Can you think back to days when you didn't know the Lord, you didn't have the light of the Lord in your life? It's amazing to think about how we got by, how we reasoned through things, how we dealt with the big questions of life. Proverbs 6.23 says, for the commandment of the Lord is a lamp and the teaching is light and reproofs for discipline are the way of life. But a person who doesn't have the light of the Lord doesn't have that. And light is often used as a metaphor for truth. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, Psalm 119.105. See, once you have the commandments of the Lord coming into your life, Your path gets illumined the way that you should walk. Uh, Unbelievers, the wicked are described as stumbling over. They don't even know where they're going. They're the blind leading the blind. And even religious uh, blindness can be applied to that. His vigorous stride, the wicked man, is shortened and his own schemes brings him down. This is the road to hell, The man has some serious swagger in his day. You ever seen the person, right? I'm all that and a bag of chips and a soda. Look at me stride. Yeah, and he's swagging around. Yeah, 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 yeah. But here's the thing. Have you ever noticed that people who get really proud and arrogant and think they're all that end up crashing really hard? In fact, many of us can maybe trace our own conversion experience to being prideful and then all of a sudden coming to a realization that we're not in that big of a control as we think we are and that God is actually steering the ship. A good example of a proud man who thought he was all that and his schemes brought him down is Haman in the book of Esther Uh, or as we affectionately called him, Hey, man right? And Haman's hang-up was that he didn't like Mordecai. Mordecai the Jew would not bow down to him. It doesn't matter what I get, what trophies, what accolades, what horses I ride, what chariots I ride in, who I have dinner with. It's not until
0: Mordecai bows to me that I'll be happy. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today.
1: Producer Rob Newton here. And on behalf of Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team, thank you so much to our financial and prayer partners. makes it possible for us to continue our broadcasts, podcasts, and free apologetic events. Please become a partner giving at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com to donate or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's
0: walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Or as we affectionately called him, Hey Man, right?
1: And Hey Man's hang-up was that he didn't like Mordecai. Mordecai the Jew would not bow down to him. It doesn't matter what I get, what trophies, what accolades, what horses I ride, what chariots I ride in, who I have dinner with. It's not until Mordecai... Vows to me that I'll be happy, right? And then you remember the king starts to ask Mordecai, or he asks Haman, what should I do for a man that I really want to honor? And oh, you should give him the royal steed and and you should ride him around town and say, this is the man in whom the king delights. And you remember those fateful words from the king? Okay, go and do that for Mordecai the Jew. He had to lead him around on the royal stallion. (laughs) This is a really great guy in whom the king delights. (laughs) And then he built the gallows for Mordecai. I'm going to hang him on the gallows. Got a little inspiration from his close friends and wife. Yeah, hang him, hang him high. But then his plot was discovered and Haman hung on the gallows he had made for Mordecai. He hung on his own scheme. You see, there are many people scheming all day long, making their backroom scheming deals. In fact, we're told we're not to be ignorant of the devil's schemes because he is a schemer. And this idea uh, is of the devil's methods. That's the Greek word. It's methodia. And he has methodology. He's scheming to do what? To get the wicked into snares and traps. And not only them, but believers as well. The wicked, he is thrown into the net by his own feet. We're going to see six different uses of words for trapping devices. This again is still the road to hell. And Bildad believes Job is on it. For he, the wicked man, is thrown into the net by his own feet. It's his own doing. He steps on the webbing. A snare seizes him by the heel, and a trap snaps shut on him. A noose for him is hidden in the ground, and a trap for him on the path. All around, terrors frighten him, and they harass or pester or dog him at every step. I had a few gophers show up in my backyard. You can always tell a gopher. They leave a mound of dirt behind, and so, um, my neighbor, uh, has the, he has a history of being able to do this kind of thing. So I got some traps from him, but eventually I thought, I got, I got to become a big boy now. I, I got a couple of my own traps and, and I learned from him how to do it. And so when you catch the gopher, it's kind of gross because you got to pull the gopher off the trap and he's there. And he's got the big teeth, but he destroys your yard. So you got to do it, right? So I went out in the backyard. And I had set a trap for a gopher and my dog realized that there was a dead gopher underground and she dug up. And I'm talking about (laughs) maybe a good foot. She dug the dead gopher out of the ground and pulled it off the trap. (laughs) Here you go, daddy. I was like, good dog, good dog, dude. Anyway, why did I bring that up? I have no idea. But we're talking about Traps. See, there are snares and traps, right? And uh, Dave, uh, who helps us back there with so many things on the soundboard, showed me a picture. I think your wife sent it to you. And it said, you know, if you have problems, if this or that, and it's just a bunch of mirrors on the wall. And here's the truth that, uh, and this is not always, but much of our lives, it's the person we're looking back. They're looking back at us in the mirror. I've met the enemy. (laughs) There he or she is, right? Smiling back at me. Now, we do have the world and the devil we know. We have enemies, but doesn't it seem like sometimes we watch a person and we're like, oh, it won't be long until they step in that trap. Oh, it won't be long until that net grabs them and they're in that position. You can see patterns, right? His strength is famished, says Bildad of the wicked, and calamity is ready at his side. His skin is devoured by disease. The firstborn of death devours his limbs. Now, who's sitting there? Job. What's one of the problems with Job right now? He is diseased where? In his skin. And Bildad's going, the wicked man is diseased in his skin. Job. See, this is what the friends have, this is how low it's gotten now. There, they subtly and not so subtly try to tell Job that he's a dirty, rotten sinner who needs to repent. He, this wicked man, is torn from the security of his tent, and they they march him before the king of terrors. In the ancient world, the king of terrors was thought to be the prince of the dead, a monarch believed to reign over the subterranean region that housed the souls of the dead and the demons of plague and terror. And the picture is the wicked man's in his tent and all these things have been happening to him. And now there's people who go and they grab him out of his tent and they drag him to this king of terrors, this king of death who will lock his soul in the subterranean regions forever. What is Bildad saying? He's saying, that's you, Job. There dwells in his tent nothing of his. Uh, You could translate 15 as fire resides in his tent brimstone or sulfur is scattered on his habitation. Now, Job's whole life has gone down. Jesus said, but on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Listen to this. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. That's Luke 17, 29 and 30. His roots, the wicked man, are dried below and his branch is cut off. Once the roots are dried below, there's no chance of a springing up of life. Notice he is cut off from above, and that's apparently what Bildad thinks of Job. He's been cut off by God. He's dried up, burned up, it's over. Memory of him perishes from the earth. He has no name abroad. Now, can you imagine being Job? You think you're probably on the verge of death. This is what your friend is telling you. This is what your so-called comforter came over to share with you. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. The memory of the wicked will be cut off, no name, etc. This is Proverbs 10:7. Listen to this. It says, "The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot." Proverbs 10, verse seven. The wicked have no lasting positive influence or memory, but the righteous brethren, they have a lasting memory. In fact, we uh, call this often in the church a legacy. And I know sometimes we're hesitant because a legacy sounds a lot like it's about me. But if you leave a godly legacy to the next generation, your influence, even after you're gone, will still continue to ripple. Think with me. Right now, all over the world, the sermons of a, a country preacher named J. Vernon McGee, long decades after he's gone, are touching lives all over the world in so many different languages. And as J. Vernon McGee was on his deathbed, he told the ministry, play the tapes until the money runs out. My, my dearly, what did he say? My beloved. Play the tapes. Did you hear that? Tapes. Until the money runs out. The money ain't run out.
0: You've been listening to I Know My Redeemer Lives, part one on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Job chapters 18 and 19. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with the pillars. With our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Michael Lance serves as the senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives you updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events and services, both for you and your kids. If you live outside of Southern California, you can still benefit from the Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go.
1: Well, I love the fact that Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that's where this message is building. I know. He, he is my anchor. You know, Jesus said, because I live, you will live also. I know he lives. And that's why I live. Now, how do I walk out being a redeemed, being a redeemed person? I I can say my Redeemer lives, but am I expressing that redemption to others? You know, the Bible teaches that we have redemption from our sins, the forgiveness of all our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. You can look at Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. Knowing that you're redeemed helps you to walk like the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And we have now a ministry. It's a ministry of reconciliation. That's to tell other people how they too can be redeemed by going to the Redeemer and knowing that they were not redeemed with silver and gold, earthly things, if you will, money or prosperity, no, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's how redemption comes. Won't you trust in Him today. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're the Redeemer. I believe you purchased me with your blood out of the slave market of sin. Maybe you're a prodigal right now, and maybe you've walked away. Come back home. Realize the great purchase price. Realize that you're to glorify God in your body because you've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's so compelling. That's the greatest reason for holy living. That's the greatest reason to follow our King because He loves us and He bought us. It's beautiful. God bless you. Well, this is Pastor Michael and we're going to have more on I Know My Redeemer Lives Tomorrow. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. Go to the website walkintruth.com if you want to know more about how to give or if you want to give us a prayer request. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you right here tomorrow.
0: Remember, we've skipped over some of Pastor Michael's teachings in the book of Job. You can listen or watch those teachings when you download our free Living Truth app, the one with the red logo with the pillars. And join us tomorrow on this station for part two of Pastor Michael Lance's teaching in Job chapters 18 and 19 called, I Know My Redeemer Lives. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.